Network podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm here with our founder of Influencers, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Thank you, Brian. Uh, We uh, are taking a break from the Top 5 Things Men Struggle With series. We have Part 5 that you can listen to. Stay tuned next week. Uh, We'll be wrapping that up with Part 5. So uh, just wanted to whet your appetite a little bit for next week. But we had to take a break because this is uh, what they call Holy Week. This is the week leading up to the cross. And uh, Kind of like we did at Christmas time, we wanted to just pause and just really take some time to, to to think about Easter and what it means to all of us as influencers and as as men and women out there who are walking with Jesus and abiding with Jesus. Uh, his journey to the cross should be something that we would really ponder and and walk with him on this journey. So. Uh, so, Rocky, let's uh, just talk a little bit about Easter, and, and we'll just talk a little bit at, like we did at Christmas time. Just curious, as a man uh, who's seen a lot of Easter's, what tell me what Easter was like growing up, you know, when you're younger, and then and what it means to you today. Well, most of uh, kids my age uh, in the South would have gone to church and they had their Easter uh, Easter suit that they would have gotten new clothes in the spring, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the girls will be wearing actually Easter bonnets and all that. I mean, it doesn't go that far back, <laughs> but there were some hats and or something like that. Uh-huh. You know, they were they were bright dresses. Of course, I'm from Mississippi, so when you get to Easter, it starts to get really spring then. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, and there would be customary things that you would sing at Easter church if you went to church, and we went to church. And then there was this Easter egg hunting. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but I guess for the little kids, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about family. Uh, and that was kind of the centerpiece of it. It was family. And recognizing that Easter is a very reverent time of year. But beyond that, after Easter was over, then it was back to business as, as normal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as I have grown in my relationship with Christ, I realized that Easter's got to go beyond Sunday, <laughs> uh, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. it, uh, it there needs to be an implication and an application of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean to us in our life? Not only that historical event that happened over 2,000 years ago, and that resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago. 
but what's the implication of that to us today? Is it just for eternity? Is it just for us to be able to have our ticket paid for heaven? Mm. Or does it represent something here and now? Mm. Which, as I've grown in my relationship with him, I realize that there's a tension, a stewardship of understanding what that means and what do I do with it? Mm. So that's kind of where I'm headed right now. Mm. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, Rocky, you, you, you have a vivid imagination, and I do too, and, but, but you said you use, like to use that imagination to try to ask God to bring you back to the, to the journey, back 2,000 years ago, and what mm-hmm. was going on in this time, yeah. you know, if, in Jesus' history and all that. So why don't you just take people through the history, the week of Easter, and, and, and what, just some of the highlights of the events sure. that, that, that strike your heart. Brian, actually, that, that imagination has grown out of the self-feeding. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, we use the STAR procedure, which is an acronym for the S is for the scripture read, T is for the thought being conveyed, A is the application of it to my life, and the R is my response to it. Mm-hmm. It's conversation. Now, through that process of studying and meditating, and thinking about it, I would try to think of the human drama that was going on back then. Because, you know, we read things that Jesus said and we scratch our head and say, why don't those disciples get it? I mean, it seems so simple to us, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have to enter into their world at that time and the way they were processing things. And they didn't have the value of the resurrection at that time. They didn't have the value of the Holy Spirit that was teaching them at that time. They didn't have a lot of things that were going on that historically, when they look back, they they probably said themselves, why in the world did I get that then? Mm -hmm. And we say that now. And what I try to do is I try to get into the drama of it. What was it like? Um, The human drama of it. What were the feelings going on? Because I want to feel it. And here's an example that what I'm doing this week, and I generally do every week. Uh, leading up to Easter, starting with Palm Sunday. Uh, Palm Sunday is when uh, Jesus went into Jerusalem from Bethany. He was staying with his friends Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, and his entourage were there. And uh, he uh, went in uh, fulfilling a prophecy, riding on a colt, and it's an Old Testament prophecy that that would be happening. That colt was a mule, and it had a colt. And uh, people had laid coats on the, on the donkey for him to ride on, and then they were laying palm branches and their coats on the path as he walked into the city of Jerusalem. Now, can you imagine that? <laughs> Just think about it. Close your eyes and imagine that. What would that been like? Mm. And so the Pharisees were... You know, they are doing what Pharisees generally did back then. They didn't like it. They didn't like anything that was going on with Jesus because he just wasn't whatever. And they said, you got to stop them from shouting and praising because the people were praising, Hosanna, Hosanna. Here comes the king. King is coming. And they were, you know, the Pharisees, they were just trying to say, get, a, get the people to stop. You remember what Jesus said? He said, I tell you what, 
if they don't cry out, these very stones will cry out. Mm -hmm. Because he knew what he was doing, he knew who he was, and he knew what was happening. And that happened on Sunday before he was crucified. Mm -hmm. On Monday, he went from Bethany back into uh, Jerusalem, and he went and uh, into that area that goes up into the Temple Mount where all of the money changers hung out with their animals and with their tables of coins and all that, and he, he whipped those animals up into stir and he drove them all out, remember that? Mm -hmm. That happened Monday. Mm. Now what, can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing all those animals <laughs> chasing the people around? I mean, the money changers losing their money, falling on the ground and they're getting down there groveling and trying to get it up. I mean, just the chaos that Jesus brought. Mm. By the way, there was a little anger in him too. Mm. He said, you have made my house a den of thieves. Now think about that. I apply that today. That sometimes, I, honestly, I see people uh, trying to use the name of Jesus to sell their services. Mm -hmm. um, they think that they can get some kind of righteous endorsement by putting an ichthus on their card or being openly identified so that their business might get a leg up. And, um, and in some ways, I kind of see a little bit of money changer in that. And uh, they're trying to use it as a means to create income. And uh, I apply that. I apply that in my business. Even in my business, I decided never to openly declare to get business that I was a Christian that I wanted to get business based on my integrity and my expertise and the value that I presented to the customer. And when they got to know me, oh, by the way, now I know why he's the way he is. Because mm -hmm. that's where we prove it. So Monday he did that. Uh, Tuesday he went back to Bethany again. Now, um, back from Bethany to Jerusalem back again. They were going back and forth. Now, uh, Bethany is a suburb of Jerusalem, so it wasn't that far to go back and forth. And so Tuesday he went into the city again, and this is where he had an inquisition of the Pharisees. Who do you think you are doing what you did yesterday and turning those money tables over? By what authority do you do all this? So you see the... You see the things going on now, don't you? You can mm -hmm. see why they're starting to plot against him because he was breaking up their structure. Mm. He was challenging their norms. They were sh he was shaking their power seats. He was raising the people up in rebellion against that legalism. And then uh, he went back. He did a few healings, I think, on Tuesday. On Wednesday, it says that he kind of rested, actually. He stayed around Bethany. You don't hear anything that's going on there. There was something, though, that happened on Tuesday and Wednesday. I don't remember exactly what day it was. And that's when, uh, one evening, that Mary came in there and put costly perfume on him. Mm. And this is when Judas says she should be selling that and giving it to the poor. Of course, he wanted to steal it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, um, leave her alone. She's preparing my body for my burial. That went on. Tuesday night, maybe. Uh, Wednesday, uh, he kind of hung around Bethany, but that's when Judas cut his deal with the uh, 
with the Pharisees to betray Jesus, and they paid him 30 pieces of silver. Thursday, he, uh, he told his disciples, I'm, I really have been looking forward to this time. I really want to have this Passover with you. I'm really excited about this. He said, go prepare us a place in, uh, in the city. And so they went into Jerusalem, and they prepared a place for him to go and have the Passover. And if you recall, on that Thursday night, that's when he gave us the, the Lord's Supper that we celebrate in communion. Mm -hmm. That is where he uh, taught us about washing the feet of undeserving people and showing us his servant leadership role. He, he, came, he laid his crown aside and he took on the role of a bondservant to serve us. And it's interesting to me that he likely even washed Judah's feet yeah. During that time. But you know, there's another thing happened that night. You know what it was? Mm. That's when he gave us John 15. Mm. That's when he told the disciples that already you're clean because of the word that's been spoken to you, but you must abide in me if you're going to bear fruit. For apart from me, you will not bear fruit. And he was preparing them for building the church. That happened Thursday night. It likely happened when he was walking out of that place where they had their, uh, their, their uh, the Lord's Supper there when they had Passover and then we was going to the Mount of Olives. He's passing through vineyards. He's probably seeing the grapevines and the branches and fruit. And he's giving them a, a metaphor to understand how important it is for them to be able to stay so close to him. And then that happened. Uh, and then while he was in the Mount of Olives, that he was, uh, went into great agony. And in fact, he sweated blood, uh, drops of tears, uh, drops of blood that he was so, in such agony. Hmm. And he knew what he was getting ready to face. And never, ever, uh, think it was minimal. He knew it was going to be a major, major thing that he's going to have to face. He was dreading it. And, um, you know, the time was on him now. He was just a few hours away. And he was wanting his friends to stay up and watch with him. They couldn't do it. Their eyes were heavy and they kept sleeping. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the rest of the story is that Judas betrayed him. He led a, a mob of, of soldiers up there to arrest Jesus with swords, by the way. And uh, it was there that Judas betrayed him with a kiss, and Jesus says, you betrayed me with a kiss, Judas? And uh, think about that. Just think, imagine that what that would have been like to have a friend you've been with for three years and come and give you a fake kiss to point you out as the one they're going to arrest. Man. Hmm. And then he was taken to the uh, Caiaphas' house and put in the dungeon there. That would have been Thursday night, maybe we early morning hours of Friday morning. And then the, the council was uh, convened and a mock trial was given and uh, they led him out and then as he's being led out and the rooster crowed three times and of course that's when Peter 
realize that Jesus said, you'll deny me three times before the night is over. Hmm. So um, what I've given you is a little bit of an idea of the way I process things. I think about the events. I think about what it would have been like for Peter. Because Peter was a man that was a strong guy. And he was a natural born leader. I'm sure he was a leader of those guys under Jesus. And that's why Peter, James, and John was in the inner circle. But Peter had to be broken of something he'd never realized and that was he was more of a coward than he thought of, than he was. He would never think that he would be willing to betray a friend, especially Jesus, but he did. He walked away from him. He uh, abandoned him. I thought about what Jesus uh, had to face by himself. He had not only one of his people betray him, but the, he had the rest of his close friends that deserted him. And he was by himself. He had to take it all on himself now. And I'm trying to imagine what that's like. What would it be like for a regular guy? We couldn't take it. We couldn't take that kind of abuse. We couldn't take that kind of pressure, but he did. Thought about those disciples, how they ran away in, in fear. I probably would have been one of them, wouldn't you? Mm. I'd like to think I wouldn't, but that's what Peter thought, that he wouldn't. And so it's that kind of, it's that kind of thing that causes me to just really get into the story of, of Easter, to build to the crescendo of what it's going to be like on Sunday. Mm. I love that uh, uh, Tony Campalo's um, message that he preached one time, it's Friday, but Sunday's a coming. Mm -hmm. And I imagine most people have heard that. It's an amazing deal, but it's so true. It's Friday. Yeah, you got him. You got him on the cross. You're beating him. You're pulling the hair out. You're spitting on him. You're nailing him there. You're hanging him there. That's Friday, but be aware that Sundays are coming because mm. he's going to rise up. Mm. That's good. So take us into Sunday and uh, the resurrection, and, and, and then that will be a good springboard into a thought that you've been stirring up about keeping Easter going beyond Easter. Mm -hmm. Well, again, I think historically in this country especially, we look at Sunday as an event. It's a day that we celebrate. That's when, actually, probably when most churches are full. And there are many people, you'd be surprised how many people come to church two times a year, Christmas and Easter, and probably Easter more than Christmas. And uh, I don't know why, but I mean, it's just been that way culturally in this country. And I think that, that uh, it, it is something that we need to recognize because it, it, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened because where it represented Jesus' end of his life and uh, to be resurrected, it also represents the end of our life and the resurrection into the family of God when we receive him. So that day, Easter, is the most important day of a Christian's life. Because mm. that's the day we 
were given the right and the ability to be reborn. And, and he conquered death. He conquered was, it. It was done. He conquered it not only for himself, but for us. That's right. Yeah. Now, what is the implication of that? Because this is where we're going with this. Monday uh, after uh, Easter, we're going to begin what we're calling resurrection prayer for 40 days. Now, the reason we're doing that is that, uh, you know, Jesus uh, remained uh, on the earth 40 days before he descended, you know, ascended. Do you know that? Hmm. Uh, and uh, people saw him. Hundreds of people saw him. He ate with them. He appeared suddenly with them. I mean, it was really kind of hilarious sometimes to see how he did it. I think he had a sense of humor. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, the, uh, he was there 40 days with them before he ascended into heaven. Now, do you remember what happened right before he ascended into heaven? Mm. He spoke to them and, and had a last word to them. And his last word was called the Great Commission, yeah, which is make disciples. What, that's right. <laughs> that's the first thing he said. He's the last thing he says now, go make disciples. Yeah. Teach them all that I've taught you. And the next thing he says is, lo, I will be with you wherever you go. Now, it's interesting when him adding that little addendum there. This low thing, I don't think we understand what that means. I think, I think we'd say it in the current day vernacular, he would pause and he'd say, now get this. Mm -hmm. Make note of this. I'll be with you. And who, who was he talking about? <laughs> because he had also told them gather together don't go act until you have the Holy Spirit That's right. come upon you and then he will make you my witnesses and it is said that they gathered together after he ascended to heaven for 10 days and prayed in the upper room and there could have been up to 250 of them coming and going during that time and after 10 days then we know this is when Pentecost came and Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit fell on the, these people and they became amazing, powerful witnesses. Peter took leadership. Now he stepped into his role and he preached. They said 3,000 men were saved during that day. I'm sure there were more people than that. They just counted men then. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of the, the organized church as they began to start their home churches and it began to be expanded farm wide. It was the work of the Spirit. It came as a, at the, as, as a result of their prayer. And that prayer was preceded by his 40 days of continuing to teach. And, and that was preceded by his resurrection. And that was preceded by his crucifixion. So we get the picture. Mm -hmm. All of this is a continuation. Mm. And if we stop at Sunday Easter and say that's all it is, if we say it's all about just getting our ticket punched for heaven, we fail to understand our stewardship responsibility to take the resurrection forward. Mm. And what we're going to do is we're going to take it forward. We're going to continue to celebrate Easter. We're going to gather uh, one hour uh, every day except weekends, and therefore we will do that uh, remotely from 8 to 9 Central Time in our office here, but we're asking people in their time zones to 
gather either with groups of people or by themselves. And we're going to be praying for our families for 40 days. Mm. We're going to make a commitment that for 40 days. In our office here, we will, we will set it up to be a war room. And we're going to establish it where it will be kind of a quiet zone. We don't want it to be interaction among each other. We want it to be a total dedication of our prayers. We're going to have names and prayers all around our office here. And for 40 days it'll build and we'll be having come people coming in here and praying for their families and then praying for other families. And we'll have 40 days of intercession. And we hope that this will be going on at the same time with our other influencer sites and our other influencers in their homes or their offices. We're also, uh, the way we're doing this too, Brian, is that we're not gathering uh, people here around a table and to share their prayer needs and to con converse for a while because that generally gets in the way of prayer, I have found. We'll let conversation be on the outside uh, before they come in here. But when they come in here, we're asking them to keep their prayers to themselves, to have whisper prayers, hmm. to walk around the room to stand before those names and look at them and imagine the needs and intercede. Mm -hmm. When I was in Israel a few years ago, I had an opportunity to go to the Wailing Wall. Now, that is a Jewish cultural tradition there in Israel. and uh, But it's open to Gentiles as well. And they, they have black hats that go for the, the Hebrew and then it's white hats for people like me. Gentiles. <clears throat> There's a area that's roped off where people gather and they can talk and all that, but when you pass this other roped area going toward the wall, it's hushed. It's quiet. Hmm. People go in there, well, they have little uh, small pieces of paper that they write their intercessory prayer, whatever their prayer is, and they fold it up real tightly and they put it in the cracks there. I did that. Now, it's interesting because, you know, people say, well, wait a minute, that's a, that's a Jewish tradition. Well, you're a Christian. What are you? Well, wait a minute now. We have a foundation here, don't we? Mm. A foundation is Jewish. Jesus was a Jew. The whole Jewish culture carried the promise, carried all of the, the scriptures that we have in the Old Testament, prepared the way for Christ's coming. And the early disciples were Jews. So we have Jew, uh, uh, the, the is, Israel in our hearts. Mm -hmm. uh, I told people when I went to Israel, I felt like I had returned to my spiritual homeland that I'd never been there before because I was reading about places and things and people and, and I felt it. And going before that wailing wall, I worship the same God the Jews do. The difference is because of Jesus, I have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. You know, we can have people that worship God and not have a relationship with him. Mm. And it's only through Jesus, because of that resurrection, that our sins atone for it. Because of our trust in that, because of our belief in that, because of the redemption that's given to us. Now, we have that which the others do not have. We have the relationship. Can they have it? Absolutely. John 3.16 says, God loves, loved the whole world, and he gave his only begotten son, but whoever believes in him will not perish. So it's whoever. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Everybody has the same opportunity to receive the same escape route, the same salvation, the same redemption that I have. So when I walked before that wailing wall, my eyes were focused on history of coming into a place that blocked out all the distractions that I was having before I came in there. And I stood before it and I felt something very, very special mm. in my connection with God. It was a secret place and Jesus talked about that. When you pray, go into your secret place mm -hmm. and pray to the Father who sees things in secret mm. and he'll reward you publicly. Mm. And so that's what we want to do here beginning on that Monday morning of resurrection prayer going for 40 days, we want to create a little bit of an environment where they're coming in and they're privately having that time with the Lord, mm. where they have the opportunity to put their intercessory prayers on sticky notes around the room. Mm -hmm. And so through the 40 days, it will build bigger and bigger, more and more. I'm praying that we'll have an anointed place. Mm -hmm. And I'm praying just like what happened 2,000 years ago, as a result, we'll see a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit mm. that will fall on this place. Well, you know, I was, I was thinking about how many people at Easter time in particular are praying. They're mindful of their family members who don't know Christ, and they're trying to invite them to church, you know, because they have an open door at Easter that they don't have other times yeah. and all that. But more more than that, they want them to find Christ. And really, you know, so I, I guess I was going to ask you one last question is why families? Why, why is the, in your mind, why is the focus of this 40 days of prayer on families? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think our families are really under attack. You know, Brian, um, I was reading something in Mark where the, the disciples had a young boy that had a, some kind of, it says, unclean spirit. And Father said it was throwing him in the fire and trying to drown him. And disciples couldn't, couldn't get it out of him. And they went to Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus asked the Father, what's he doing? The Father told him. And, and he said, your disciples couldn't do anything about it. And Jesus, you know, addressed the issue. And he told him to come out. And, he came out of the boy, and the boy laid on the ground like he was a corpse, but Jesus lifted his hand up, gave it to his father. Similar story that we've heard. Uh, and then later, uh, and the boy was, was set free, and then later, uh, the, privately, the disciples asked Jesus, why, why, couldn't we, why couldn't we cast him out? You've given us authority on others. Why not this one? And Jesus said, this kind requires prayer mm. and I got to thinking about that I think that God has given us a lot of authority as dads and husbands spiritual authority and place of influence in our families but you know Ryan when it comes about comes about when our children our families are under spiritual attack sometimes uh, that authority can just go so far. And that's why we got to bring in the heavy weapons and that's called prayer. Mm. And so the reason why I'm asking for focus on family 
in prayer, uh, our prayers to be focused on our family, is because I believe that's the heavy, heavy weapons. I believe that's the influence that we need to apply. And I think that if you're praying for my family and I'm praying for your family, then we got two guys that's praying for each other's families. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big prayer covering right there. Mm-hmm. And if we have 10 doing it, there's another bigger prayer covering. Now, how about 20 or 30 or 40? How about 100? How about 500? How about three or four or 5,000? Mm-hmm. How about 10, 15,000? Now, just think about that. Imagine, again, imagine the shield of faith that holds up over our family. Mm. So what we're doing is that we're creating a holy environment to take holy ground. And mm. Jesus said, I've given you the, the ability to storm the gates of hell. Well, this is how we do that. Mm. We lock shields together and we storm it. And for 40 days, we're going to storm it. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, we're all the time teaching our influencers that the first place you live it out is to your family. Yeah. Right, and and I think that's your your spouse and your kids, but even your extended family, they're in your life for a reason. God, that's part of your assignment, you know. So, right. well, there's another thing too, and I have some young men that I mentor that their families are really struggling with some health issues and all that. They'll be in my list. Yeah, yeah. You you have a burden for other families uh-huh. as well. They'll not be in my family. list. I'll be the prayer sponsor, uh-huh. and then I'll have my intercessory list right underneath my name. And I'll have my wife, Sally, and the things that she needs, and I'll have my three children and my, their, their husbands, husband and wife, and the grandchildren, which are 10. So I got a long list already. Mm-hmm. But then I'm going to have some other subcategories on that. Uh, and I got that freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. Because I think 40 days, honestly, there are many times I say, I wish I had more time to have an intercessory prayer. And for 40 days, I'm going to have an opportunity, mm. just one hour a day. But I'm going to have 40 days of being able to think about who I'm going to pray for and what to pray for. And then I'm going to shuffle over to the, some of those names that are next to it, walking around that room and looking at you and looking at Tom and looking at other people mm. that have prayer needs and, and joyfully, privately, quietly, standing for it just like I did before that wailing wall mm. and interceding. That's me, but I think it'd be the same with every one of you guys and women. Mm. We're inviting women, uh, the guys. We're also inviting people that have not gone through a journey group who doesn't know the influencers. What we want to do is get them in touch with our king. Mm. That's our mission. Well, and, and the idea is already catching a little bit of fire because I've heard guys talking about maybe taking this into their house and setting mm-hmm. up a prayer room in their house and inviting their wives and their kids to, you know, spend an hour a day going in there and praying for their families. Right. And so it's going to be fun to see what God does with this, but uh, I yeah. love it. and Frank Khalil over in Tulsa said they're going to join us and Terry Miller in, in Long Beach and I haven't talked to Les yet, but i got an idea. We'll have a bunch of guys over in Bakersfield and up in uh, Northern California, mm-hmm. maybe in Memphis and Atlanta. Pismo Beach. Yeah, maybe up in Maine, some of our guys there in oh, Canada. Yeah. Uh, down in Texas, maybe we have some of our Texans there. <laughs> uh, you know, we got an opportunity to lock shields. That's right. In a broad fashion. And, and man, I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah me too. Well, Rocky, uh, we're out of time, but uh, would you just kind of close us in prayer, just a prayer for our influences out there a couple days 
Easter's a couple days away and just an yeah. Easter prayer or whatever you feel right. like to pray. Well, Father, in Jesus' name, uh, I join with Brian and I join with my brothers and sisters across the airways, uh, uh, lifting up your holy name, thanking you, Lord, for what this uh, Friday, this good Friday is going to represent. It's good in our lives, but boy, it was sure not good for you because of what you went through for us. And Lord, we want, to, we want to recognize that day. We don't want it to be lightly thought of. We want it to, to really be a, something that's a heavy of remembrance. But then we want to move toward Easter and what that will be. We want to be able to uh, fellowship with one another, but we want to have our eyes and focused on that empty tomb. We want to now take you off the cross and out of the tomb and let you... <laughs> Let you start to interact with us and bless us and show us the way how to, how to live this life out as your believers, your followers, those who will also be resurrected one day. We're grateful to you, Lord, for what you've done. We thank you for being not only our Savior, but also our friend. Thank you for our King. And Lord, there's one thing that we should always remember. You have risen. Amen. This is the Influencers Global Ministries. We encourage you to keep abiding in Christ and go make disciples. God bless
Sing.